What's up guys it's marcus window here thank you so much for joining and welcome to the heartburn podcast episode eight come on somebody episode eight i'm excited thank you all for those who've been listening who have been a part of the journey so far we are eight episodes in and it has been absolutely amazing it's been a blessing thanks to everybody that has been reaching out um letting me know that's been a blessing to you i'm glad it has i pray that and continues to do that so listen we're going to get right into it today Today, episode eight, we're about to start for the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about this simple question. And the question is this, where is the love? Come on, church. Where is the love these days, man? We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks, over the next about three weeks. And I want to talk about where's the love, guys? Where's the love? Where's the love for Jesus? Where's the love for the brethren? And where's the love for the world? Where's the love for the lost? All right. So I think this is a very important topic and we're going to get right into this because it's something I've been thinking about, something I've been praying about, and it's something I've been just searching after because I look at the scripture and one of the most beautiful things about who we are called to be is we are called to love God. I know this may be a shocker to you. I know it may be an epiphany, whatever you want to call it. You are supposed to love God. And I want to talk, I'm going to take the next few minutes. We're going to talk about that specifically today. We're going to talk about where is the love for God? Now, I understand you guys love God. We love God. We say it all the time. We love you, God. We thank you, God, all this stuff. But do we actually know what we're saying when we say that? Because a lot of us, if we're not careful, we live these Christian lives as if the great commandment was to be loved by God. So in Matthew 22, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the great commandment. But before we even get to that, can we just talk about the very fact that some of us live our lives as if the great commandment, the greatest commandment, is to be loved by God. So if you recognize that he loves you, if you recognize that he cares about you and he's there for you, oh, you're all good. You'll show up to church. You'll do your thing. You'll serve in your ministry and you'll go live your life the way you want to because you think it's all about you. If you are more concerned with being loved by God than loving him, then you may have made an idol out of yourself. And I want you to understand, I know my scripture, I know my Bible. First John tells us that we love because he first loved us. I get all of that. Um, I get Hebrews where it says that he loves us first. I understand that. The point I'm trying to make is this. It doesn't stop with him loving us. It stops with us loving him. Our love for God is a response to the love that he has for us. And I want us to be very intentional and very clear that we have to make this decision that I'm not going to let the love stop on God's part. I've, you've, you've heard me say this before, guys. If I were to describe my walk with the Lord and my, and my relationship with God, I always say I am wildly on fire for God because I'm madly in love with him. And you can't be wildly on fire without being madly in love. I want to teach you something here real quick. 
If you think that you have a fire, but you don't love the Lord God first, you don't have a fire, you have religious duties. Why? Because you look at your fire as what you do. You look at your fire as what you speak, where you go and how you communicate, how you dress and what you do to log in some hours on the church calendar. Let me tell you, this thing is not about the church calendar. It is about a real being. It is about a real God who longs to be encountered by his church, who longs to be encountered by his people. I want you guys to understand this very clearly. The love of us, the love of uh, the love of God towards us produces a love for God from us. The love of God towards us produces a love of God towards him and from us. This is what it means to know him. I want you to understand this. When it comes to encountering Jesus, we're going to get into Matthew 22 here in a second. I want you to recognize this. When it comes to encountering Jesus, you either love him or you hate him. If you go through the gospels, if you go through the expressions of experiences with Jesus, people had either one or one of two reactions, one reaction or the other. They either fell madly in love with him, denied everything and followed him. Or they hated him, rejected him, and wanted to kill him. There was no middle ground. To know him is to love him or hate him. When you experience Jesus, you either become a disciple or you become an enemy. Jesus said, if they are not against us, they are for us. So if they're not for us, then they're against us. Don't tell me you're just kind of in the middle. Don't tell me if, if somebody's in here listening that you don't, you don't serve the Lord. This is not a bashful, judgmental statement. I'm just keeping it real. Don't tell me that you're all right with God, but you just do your thing. You are either for him or you are against him. So you either serve the kingdom of God or you serve the kingdom of darkness. You may not even recognize it. You may think I'm doing good i'm doing my thing it's all good in the hood me and god straight i just do what i want that is called living in enmity against god is active rebellion and to know him is to either hate him or it's to love him matthew 22 verses 34 through 40 i'm going to read this to you guys matthew 22 verses 34 through 40. Let me read this check of my Bible right here. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law? This was Jesus' response. The great commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Guys, if you want to know amongst all the laws, amongst all the duties, amongst everything that they were told to do during this time and throughout their history as the children of Israel... It was wrapped up in this, love the Lord your God. And Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy when he said that, love the Lord your God. This is the problem, guys. I think that sometimes in the church, the greatest commandment often needs the greatest convincing. Why is it that we have to convince people to love God? It is because often we have to convince people that they are loved by God. Come on, I'm going to say that again. We often have to convince people to love God because we are because they're too stuck at the fact that they are loved by God. So we get to this point where the, being loved by God is all that matters to us. We love him and all that stuff and we can't move past. Listen to me, y'all. Some of y'all going to get mad at this. 
A lot of us can't get past the simple fact that God loves us. What do I mean by that? One of two people. Some people, they are just wrapped up in the fact that God loves them and they'd rather sit down their lazy butts and be adorned like they are the one that's supposed to be worshipped. Or some of us can't even wrap our heads around the fact that God loves you. How do I know this, Marcus? Because you only go to churches and you only listen to messages where every single week they talk about how much God loves you. It either means you are a narcissist or you have a terrible self-image issue and you need healing. Come on, I'm going to say that again. I know you don't like it, but I'm going to say it again. If you constantly have to be told how much God loves you, you are either a narcissist and self-centered and idolizing yourself, or you have some self-image issues that you need healing from. This is why we can talk about the love of God every week, about how much he loves us, and Christians don't grow, they don't go anywhere, and they don't do anything, and they just want to be talked about how much they are loved. Listen, I love talking about the love of God. We're going to be talking about that some more, but I want to specifically talk about our love for God, not just his love for us. If you constantly need to be reminded that you are loved by God you are barely at the first steps of your walk with Jesus come on this is the great commandment I know we like to get excited we like to talk about the greatest blessings we like to talk about the greatest moves of God the greatest churches the greatest YouTube channels and the great and the greatest online preachers but when are we going to get back to talking about the greatest commandment to love him this is a commandment that means that he is telling you you must do this this is something that is not a choice. It's not an option. It is not something you put last on your to-do list. I want to let you know, if we can't properly get this part down, nothing else matters. If we can't properly love the Lord God, I don't care how many signs, wonders, and miracles you do. I don't care how many people you've prophesied over because you read their Facebook bio and you think now you got the heart of God in you, but you're just reading stuff that you are, you're just saying stuff that you heard through gossip. Don't let me get somebody mad today. I don't care how many people you lay hands on and they got healed. I don't care how many churches you've been a part of, how many church plant. I don't care about your resume and neither does the Lord. He wants to know how much you love him. He wants to know how much he is the center of your life and of your existence. This thing is for him. He had he created us. Revelation says we have been created for his goodwill and his glory. Our job here. If you want to know why you exist, it's to give God glory. If you want to know why you exist, it's to love the Lord your God. That is why you exist. That is why you were created, and that is why you have your being. It is to love him, to worship him, and to serve him. He is the reason why we do this thing. We love him in passing, and then we act like we don't know him any other time of the day. We come to church, and it's all about, oh, I love you, God, and we don't talk to him the rest of the week. We say that we love him, but we don't obey him. Can we talk about that just for a second golly we say we love him and we won't obey him what did jesus say if you love me obey my commandments and we've got a bunch of people saying that they love him that are disobedient and that are rebellious and what is rebellious is as bad as witchcraft the bible says we are ooh. Listen, some of us are operating in words of witchcraft because we say we love him, but we're being disobedient and rebellious. My God, some of us are operating in witchcraft because we say we love him with our mouth, 
Come on. We say we love him with our mouth, but we operate in rebellion and disobedience. And we are literally walking in witchcraft and we don't even recognize it. And we wonder why we're bound in sin. We wonder why we're bound in self-image issues. We wonder why we're bound in the same cycles of life. We wonder why we look the same, talk the same, dress the same, act the same after 10 years serving the Lord. And there's been no growth. Why? Because you haven't obeyed him. This is what it means to, to love the Lord. It's not to just say it. It's to do what he tells you to do. If you don't obey him, come on. This is Jesus's words. They're not mine. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not this audacious. I'm not going to tell you something that's not in the word. If you, if you love him, we must obey his commandments, but it goes so much further. Come on. It goes so much further than just, oh, you love him, so obey what he has to say. This is a relationship. It's not just to love him, it's to be in love with him. You want to know the difference? He's saying, I want you to love me, but I want you to be in love with me. You want to know the difference? You can love somebody and not talk to them for years. I got cousins aunts and uncles and people in my family i love them but i haven't talked to them in years but if you are in love with somebody you can't go without talking to them how can i tell how can i prove that me and my wife if you see my phone just looking at my phone will tell you that we that we love each other because we can't go without texting we can't go without talking Listen, I can't even go play ball. I'm going to get like three, four text messages from her. I'll be going two, two and a half hours. She, where you at? What you doing? She know where I'm at, what I'm doing. She's still going to ask. Tell her I'm playing ball. When you leaving? We made an agreement what time I'm going to leave. Why you act like you don't know? Why? Because we are in love with one another. This is what it looks like, guys. And this is the thing. Some of you remember this feeling. Some of you that are in relationships or you're married now or you've been there before. Some of you know this feeling. Because you used to be up with the girl for eight hours on the phone. You used to be up with the guy for eight hours on the phone, talking all night. Come on, somebody, slip, falling asleep together. You be on the phone. Look, some of y'all be on the phone just don't, not even talking, just breathing. And you be like, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. You still here? Yeah. You fall asleep yet? Yeah, no, I'm awake. You awake? Just listening to each other breathe. Come on, somebody. We'll give a guy or a girl eight hours a night, but we won't give God eight minutes a day. My Lord, we'll give a guy or a girl eight hours a night, but we won't give God eight minutes a day. When you are in love with somebody, you can't eat, you can't sleep. Your sole focus is them. And can I tell you, it is the same thing with the Lord. He is the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning. He is the last thing I think about before I go to bed. He is the first one I think about, the last one I think about. He consumes my day. And listen, you want to know one of, one, of, one of my greatest prayers? Lord, help me love you more than I do. Help me love you more than I do, not because I don't love you, but because I need to love you more. I need to love you more. When you are consumed with something, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from the Lord. When the love of God grips your heart, you know how you get more in love with God? Find out just how much he loves you and don't get consumed by his love for you. Get consumed in your love for him. Because when you're consumed in your love for him, it changes the way you look. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you respond to the word. It changes the way you hear the word and respond and listen and act out the word of God in your life and get addicted to his presence. I want you to understand God is the only good addiction in this world. The Listen, 
God is the only good addiction in this world. He is the byproduct. Listen, our love for God is a byproduct. He is an addiction. And when you become addicted to God, only good things come from it. Anything in this world, you've all heard this quote before. Too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. Well, that's not necessarily true. Yes, it is. You know, you can die from drinking too much water. Can we get scientific in this joint? You can die from drinking too much water. You can die from eating the wrong, the, the right food too much. Come on, we can talk about this tonight. And we've got to recognize that God is the only addiction that satisfies and makes you long for him even more. He satisfies and he makes you long for him even more. And you become addicted to his presence. You want to know what addiction looks like? Pull out that phone that you on eight hours a day. It, listen, you want to know who will convict you? If the ooh, if the Holy Spirit won't convict you, your cell phone will. How do I know? Marcus, if you pull up your cell phone every week on Sunday morning, my phone tells me you average X amount of time a day on your phone. Sometimes it's low, sometimes it's high, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, I need to get in trouble for this. Somebody need to take my phone from me. Why? Because I'm looking at it way too much. I'm looking at, the, I'm scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, playing games, whatever you, whatever I'm doing. And I become, we become addicted to these things, y'all. And this is the thing. I've read somewhere, there's a statistic. It literally says that the average person looks at their phone at least 80 times every single day in a 24-hour period and not even that because we're sleeping sometimes in an average day the average person opens their phone pulls their phone up come on and looks at it 80 times per day we check facebook we check instagram we check the snap we check tiktok and I don't even got a uh, I got TikTok on my phone. Listen, I got TikTok on my phone, y'all. Not because I have an account, because I don't. I got TikTok on my phone because my wife sends me funny TikToks, and I can't watch them unless I have the app. And if you know me, you know I I love my memes. I love my funny videos. So TikTok, I, I rocks with TikTok because there'd be some funny videos on it, but I don't have my own profile and I'm not addicted to it. But this is the point I'm trying to make. How often do we scroll through all these apps and we don't scroll through the word? How often are we scrolling through our feed to see what our friends say, but we never scroll through the word to see what God has to say? There is a God who wants to talk. There is a God who wants to speak. He has things he wants to say to us. And he's saying, I need you to get Get back to the great commandment. If you can't do this right, you can't do anything right. Come on. If we can't get the love of God down and just loving him and doing nothing else, we can't do anything else right. We don't have anything else to offer the Lord. I'm going to listen. We don't have anything else to offer God if we can't love him right. We really don't. I don't care how addicted you are to your church services. I don't care how much you love your worship team. I don't care how many worship albums you got. I don't care how many hours of Maverick City you listen to this week. All that stuff is well and good. But there's a thing. There's this love that we are that is produced in us when we respond to the love of God that consumes us and grips us and we become addicted to his presence. I want to ask you if you are listening to this to my voice right now. Are you addicted to his presence or are you just tolerating his presence? Are you addicted to his presence or do you just tolerate it? Because I want to ask you this. How can you live 
and expect to go to a heaven with a person you barely want to be with now. I'll hear people tell me all the time, uh, you know, they don't want to get serious with God, but they think they're going to heaven. I'm like, you don't even want to be with them now. What in the world makes you think that you won't want to be with them for eternity? Like, let's be real. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to get saved. I want you to love the Lord God. The great commandment, this is for the saved and the unsaved. This is what we need to do. But let's just be real. For those of you that call yourself Christian and, you're, and you love the Lord, praise God. I thank God for you. But if you struggle to spend any time with him now, what makes you think you'll want to do it when there's nothing else to do but worship him? Yes, we'll be doing other things besides that in heaven. That's not the point I'm trying to make right now. The point I'm trying to make is this. You're going to spend billions upon billions. You think your little 30, 50 years is cute? You're going to spend billions of years with God. And if you can't spend time with them now, you're going to have some trouble when it comes to the end of times. You're just going to have some trouble. That's all I'm saying. Do you actually want this thing? Do you actually want to be with him? Do you long to hear his voice? Do you are? Listen. Do you long to hear the voice of God? He longs to talk to you. Some of you need to get this in your head. The God of the universe longs to speak with you, longs to be with you. And some of us are so cold hearted that we turn away from the Lord God who loves us and who we're commanded to love the moment that we find something else that we'd rather do. Do you actually want to hear God's voice or do you get annoyed when he finally talks to you? Some of us be saying, Lord God, speak to me, speak to me. We're so bipolar sometimes. Lord, speak to me, speak to me. And then God speaks and well, Lord, you got to wait till my show over. Lord, speak to me. Show me signs and wonders. Speak, you know, give me visions and dreams. And the Lord says, hey, come be with me. And you say, no, I'm out with my friends right now. I'm not saying don't I'm not saying don't have your Netflix show. I'm not saying don't have friends. I'm saying this. Don't ask God to speak to you and then ignore him when he does. How are we so inclined to call on the voice of God and inconvenience when he speaks? How are we so inclined to ask him to move and then get inconvenience when he finally does? This is not the way that he has created us to move with him. It is a thing where we come into this place where the constant response to his glory draws us closer and closer to him. This is why Jesus said, when I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And there needs to be a drawing, not just in the world, guys, but in the church right now. There needs to be a greater level of a drawing of the Lord because some of us are living. Oh, I'm going to say this. There needs to be a greater drawing. I'm asking the Lord, draw us near to you because we're treating this thing like it's an arranged marriage. We're treating this thing like this is an arranged marriage, like we have to be here. Let me just give you, let me just give you some freedom. You don't have to be here. Let me just give you some freedom. You don't have to serve God. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do none of that. But if you choose to serve the Lord, come on. If you call him father, if you call Jesus friend, if you call him your God, you must not only obey him, but you must love him. Not you must be in an arranged marriage with him. You must actually love him. Marcus, what do you mean an arranged marriage? Did you know that over 50%, come on, I'm going statistics on y'all today. Over 50% of marriages on the planet Earth are arranged marriages. Now, for you Americans, you like, no, that's not true. Listen, let me just come to my, to my idolizing Americans. The planet Earth is a lot bigger than just America. Can we just be real? 
The planet Earth is not just America, and we are far from the biggest country in the world. So just get that through your head. We're far from the biggest continent in the world. Get that through your head. 50, over 50% 50 of marriages in the world are an arranged marriage. What is an arranged marriage? Oh, I'm about to talk to somebody. An arranged marriage is where the couples don't really love one another, but they get, oh, the couples don't really love one another, but they get together for the benefits of coming into relationship. I don't love you. You don't love me. We don't really talk like that, but it's going to be a beneficial partnership. And there's some good things I can get out of this. So I might as well do it. Come on. You some in a lot of these relationships, a lot of times it's sad to say, but the women don't even have a choice. They don't have a choice. They're just they're just branded into this thing. It's going to bless their dad. So, hey, I might as, I, I got to do this thing because it's going to bless my their, their crops and their animals and stuff like this. You didn't have a choice. Some of them didn't have a choice because it's going to provide them a better life than they can have on their own. Over 50 percent of marriages are arranged marriages. And I'm convinced, guys, I'm going to say this and I say it with the fear of the Lord in me. I'm convinced that over 50% of, of, of relationships in the church are arranged marriages. Why? Because some of us live this life that says this. I don't really love God like I should, but I'm going to stick around for the benefits. I don't really love God like that, but I'm going to stick around because I want to at least make it to heaven. I don't want to spend time with him. Come on. I don't want to spend time with him, but I have to put on a show because everyone expects me to. Oh, my God. I don't know who I'm talking to right there. Some of us are putting on the show because you have these expectations from other people of why well, you're supposed to love God. You're supposed to go to church. Some of you got some religious parents over you. You got some religious family over you. You've got people pressuring you into this relationship and you don't even realize it. And there's going to be a day where you say, wow, maybe I don't love God, but I love the feeling I get when other people think I do. Oh, my goodness. Whew. I don't really want to do this, but I have to because my parents made me. Let me tell you, your parents can't make you serve God. Your parents can make you go to church. They can make you serve in ministry, but they can't make you serve God, nor can they make you love God. Nobody can force you to love the Lord God. This is why someone, this is why I say it's more like an arranged marriage and a lot of people's relationship because they're not with him because they love him. They're there for the benefits. They're there to get what they can out of the relationship without getting, giving anything back. And if they give anything back, it's not out of love is out of obligation god does not want your obligations come on somebody jesus is not coming back for an arranged marriage jesus is not coming back for a bride that does not want to be with him jesus is not oh jesus is not coming back for 20 cows and a lover i don't care what you see in other places jesus isn't coming back for a bride that can offer him 20 cows and your daddy's fortune Jesus doesn't want to get in your pants. He wants to get in your heart. And he's saying, I'm looking for people. God is looking for people that are looking for his heart and not just his hand. You want to know what it looks like to love the Lord God? You guys have probably heard. Maybe you've heard me say this before. Many seek his hand. Some seek his face, but few seek his heart. Many, come on, many seek his hands. Some seek his face, but few seek his heart. And to love the Lord God, he said, you have got to love me with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. 
This is not an arranged marriage where you get to come together and you don't get to love God, but you get the benefits of it. Jesus's prayer. Jesus's prayer is that we would be one with him and with each other as he is with the father in John chapter 14 and John chapter 17 as well. This is more than just words. It's more than just saying it. It's more than just going through the motions. It's more than just showing up. This is an actual thing where you have to mean this and it actually affects your heart. He said, do this with all of your heart. I want you to understand when the Bible talks about the heart, it actually means the place where your intellect, your will, and your intentions are. I'm going to say that again. Your will, your intellect, and your intentions. What does that mean? If you are going to love God with all of your heart, you have to love him with your will and your intentions what does that mean love is not just a noun love is a verb love looks like something love doesn't just sound like something love goes past oh i love you oh smoochy smooch love looks like something it is an addition to just the words so the things that you do show the lord jesus that you love him shows god the father that you love him living a life holy and dedicated and cross consecrated to him shows that you love him when you love others it shows god that you love god in our intentions, in our intellect, the way we think, come on, the way we think, the way we process and the way we respond to stimuli in the world, it directly shows our heart for the Lord God. He says, love me with all your heart, love me with all your soul, and love me with all of your strength. This is what the word soul means. It literally means this, the entire inner, inner self with its emotions desires and characteristics that make you unique so god is saying this i want jesus is saying i need you to love the lord god with all your emotions people that say that listen people that say it's not all about emotions it's not all about emotions but it is about emotions i'm gonna say that again it's not all about emotions but it is about emotions i don't care how dead and dry you are in any other relationship your love for for god displays itself through your emotions you don't have to be an emotional person i'm not talking about how much you love your wife or your kids you can be dead and dry with them all you want, even though you shouldn't be. I'm talking about the love of God. When, you're, when, when your heart meets the heart of God, it turns into this emotion. And that may look different ways for different people. But let me tell you, I have never seen somebody that truly loves the Lord dead and dry and boring about it. Well, yeah, I love God. And that's it. No. You can feel and hear the passion and the love and the emotion in people who actually love God. I'm not talking about people that just do their thing at church and love the world more than they do God. I'm talking about a people that actually do love him and you can tell because you can hear it in their voice and in their emotion. It spills out of the hardest of men. It spills out on the hardest of women. It spills out on the hardest of facial expressions. Why? Because the love for God is something that can go to a greater level than any love for any person. Why? Because we were made to love God. We were made to love God and your strength, love him with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. It literally means greatly or exceedingly. This is not a passive love. It's a passionate love. This is not a boring love. This is a beautiful love. This is not some slow love. This is not some boring dead love. 
This is a steadfast, continual, unconditional, never ceasing, long suffering love for the Lord God that says, no matter what I go through, you're getting every ounce of me. Some of y'all need to just pray that and say that out loud. God, I'm going to love you with every ounce of me with no reservations. I feel this strong right now. Some of you can't love the Lord God with all your being because you didn't have a father around to love with all your being. Let me tell you, he is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. He is the God that will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the God that says, I am with you, bro, and behold, all the way to the end of the ages. He ain't going nowhere and he will not abandon you. So I need somebody to just let go of the reservations you have against God and stop withholding yourself from God because your earthly father hurts you. I'm not trying to downplay it. I pray right now in Jesus name that you get healed and set free so you can experience the love of the father and give the love to the father in the way that you were created to. Lord, we withhold nothing from you. That's what that means right there with all your strength. I'm not withholding an ounce of dignity, of pride, of shame, of anything. You're going to get all of this, Lord. You're about to get every drip, every drop, every ounce, every punch. Everything I can give you of my love, you're getting it, and I'm going to spill it on you. You're not going to get away from this love. Come on. You're not going to get away from this love. And my prayer because I get worried about this. My prayer is that, Lord, let me not grow cold. Marcus, why would you say that? Because G Jesus literally said, you want to know the signs of the ends of times? The love of men will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. Some of us were used to be in love with God. Some of y'all were on fire and you were all about the love of the Lord. You loved him so much. You remember you, you first met him. You were giggly eyed. Some of you got saved and you met the Lord. And my goodness, if the AC started, you thought it was the wind of the Holy Ghost. And you started breaking out in tongues and crying at the love of God. What happened? Some of y'all used to talk all night into the morning with God. Some of y'all used to wake up mad early. Some of y'all used to stay up mad late. Some of y'all would be late to appointments because you used to be crying in the car. Oh, come on. Who am I talking to? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You used to be crying in the car talking to God. You used to be crying in the car just spending time with him. You couldn't go anywhere by yourself because you was going to be late everywhere. You couldn't, be you couldn't hang out with your friends too long because eventually the love of God was going to smack you and you was going to have to excuse yourself to go cry in the bathroom. Oh my God, I feel this. You used to, come on. There's this place where God is telling us, I need you to get back there because you're growing cold. You're growing cold. You don't feel like you are because you've learned how to do everything without loving God. My God, I felt that. You don't feel like you've grown cold because you've gotten so used to doing everything without having to love God. You loved God and you started serving and then you stopped loving him, but you still serve. Come on. And some of our relationships are as dead and dry as divorced, as divorced couples. Come on. Some of us, oh my God, help me, Holy Spirit. Some of us are in cohabitation with the Lord, but we don't love him. There are people and couples that are in the world where they're not getting divorced. They're not going nowhere. They're just cohabitating. They just live together, even though they don't love one another. And we might as well stick it out for the kids. 
Listen, you ain't got to stick it out for nobody's benefit but you. You ain't got to stick this thing out for nobody's benefit but yourself. You, listen, you benefit from loving God far more than he benefits from loving you. Can we just be real and honest? He loves you with an everlasting love. He will never stop loving you. But let me tell you, you've reaped the benefit of loving God far more than he reaps the benefit of loving us. Even though in his eyes, come on, in his eyes, you are worth everything. In his eyes, we are worth everything. However, there is a level of understanding that if I'm not doing this thing for real, I'm just cohabiting. And there is no place in scripture where God is okay with just being around you and not being with you. There's no place in scripture where God is okay with you being around the things of God and not actually loving him and wanting to spend time with him and wanting to be with him. This is a journey. This is a journey. Some of you are on a journey to get your to get your love back. Some of y'all are on a journey of just loving him. I'm on this journey now of just every day. I just want to fall more in love with him. Philippians 3, that I may know him. But some of us have lost our love. We love our services. We love our worship. We love the preaching, but we don't love him. Marcus, how do I know if I don't love the Lord? I was about to say I'm not going to be too much longer, but I don't know if I am or not. Who knows? Marcus, how do I know if I don't love the Lord? It's very simple. Not only do you not spend time with him, but you're perfectly okay by not spending time with him. You're perfectly fine with it. You haven't spent any time with him. If your prayer, listen, if your prayer life is boring, it is a key indicator that you might have lost your love for God. I don't get bored talking to my wife. If you've lost your love for prayer, you have lost your love for God. If the Bible is boring to you, then you've lost your love for God. Oh, here's a good one. If you can worship at church, but you never worship at home, you might not love the Lord God. If you can put flame emojis on somebody else's Bible verse, if you can put the hands up, praying hands on somebody's Facebook post about God, but you don't actually read the word for yourself, you may not love God the way you thought that you did. And some of us need a fresh encounter. Some of us need a fresh encounter and a fresh wind to blow in our life to remind us just who it is that we say we love. This is a God who holds the heavens and the earth. This is a God who by everything was created. This is a God who spoke a word and everything happened. And yet and still, he is a mindful and he's attentive to your wants and needs and desires in your life. And some of us forgot that. Some of, some of us forgot who we talking to. Let's just be real. Some of us forgot who we talking to and we forgot who we talking about. We forgot that we're talking about the God that doesn't have to give, give us anything and yet gave us everything. We forgot that God didn't have to give us anything and he could have just crushed us. Yet and still he gave, he bankrupted heaven. He gave Jesus. He gave his one and only son. Guys, the simple gospel needs to be preached again. Like we were dead in our trespasses. Romans literally tells us, like, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You want to know how much God loved you? Look what he gave for you. And in response, you want to know how much you love God? Look at what you're giving him. If you are giving him 20 seconds a day to thank him for food, but you don't talk to him, you may not love God. 
if you go to church out of duty and never talk to him the rest of the week, you may not love God. If you can go to church, hear me, go to church and perfectly fine missing worship, missing the message, but you okay sitting in the balcony, sitting in the foyer, gossiping and going home, you may not love God. If you're, oh my God, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. If you can, if you can go without sharing the gospel with your children, you don't love God. You may not even love your kids. I don't care how, my God, I'm about to get in trouble for that one. If you are, if you, if you claim to be saved and you claim to love the Lord Jesus and you can't even share the gospel with your kids, I highly, I don't believe you can love him. And I don't believe you fully love your kids. If you truly know God, how can you say you love him and not even tell your own children about him? I want to share this vision that I had, guys. I think I am going to be done here soon. I want to share this vision. I had this vision about a year ago because the Lord told me, son, my children have become selfish, superficial bratty brides. I said, Lord, what in the world does that mean? And in this vision, I saw it was a beautiful hall that there was beautiful lights, tables. I mean, it was the perfect setting for a beautiful reception. And I saw this man, he was dancing in the middle of the ballroom. All eyes are on him. And he stretches his hand out to dance with the woman. And I saw this woman, she was leaned up against the wall. She had this bridal dress on. It was super nice. And she was just, she wouldn't even look at the, the husband. She was staring off into the distance and he tried to go and talk to her. And she said, and he said, what's wrong? I've put all this together for you. And she said, well, I don't like the music. I don't like the food. I don't like the way things are set up. She had so many complaints about the things around her that she couldn't appreciate the one that was in front of her. I'm going to say that again. She had so many complaints about the things that were around her that she couldn't properly love and perceive who she had in front of her. Some of us are so wrapped up in our worlds and in in the things that we don't have and the things that we don't like that we don't see the outstretched outstretched arm of the father we don't see the outstretched hand of the lord reaching out to us to encounter us in a deeper level we are so caught up in our comfort listen we are so caught up in the comfort of the bride that we have lost the love of the bridegroom and we've forgotten this whole thing my god this whole thing isn't about making you comfortable it's about calling you into a deeper level of relationship and love and intimacy with the bridegroom, with Jesus, with the Lord who saved you, called you and ordained you to do mighty works for him. Philippians 3, I told you, listen, Paul said, I have counted all things done. Dung. I have counted all things lost that I may gain Christ, that I may gain the excellencies of the knowledge of Christ and be found in him. I have counted all things as dung that I may know him. Listen, is it God and is it God or? You got to pick one. Is it God and or is it God or? 
It can't be God and your 401k. I'm not telling you don't have a 401k. It can't be God and your white picket fence house that you're dreaming of getting. I'm not saying that you can't have it. It can't be God and my lifestyle. It can't be God and my weekends. It can't be. You have to give everything to him. I'm not saying don't have a life. I'm saying you got to get to this place where you're like Paul in Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And a life that I live is for his will and his purpose. Loving God looks like abandoning your wants, wills, and desires to pick his up and say that your way is actually better than my way. Come on. I like to say it like this. People at my church make fun of me. It's not about our way. It's about Yahweh. It's about God. It's about what he wants. Because when you're truly, listen to me, when you're truly in love with somebody, you want what they want more than you want what you want. There are times where I want to do something and my wife wants to do something different. And I'll just say, you know what? Because you want to do that, I'd rather, ooh, I'd rather go with you and do what you want to do than go do what I want by myself. Come on, I'd rather go with you and do what you want to do than go by myself and do what I want. And some of us have lost our connectivity to the Lord because we've gone off to do what we want because we don't love him enough to do what he wants. We don't love him enough to obey him. We love him enough to want to go to his heaven, but we don't love him enough to want to be his house. Oh my God. We love him enough to want to go to his heaven, but we don't love him enough to want to be his house, to be his dwelling place where he has his will and his way actually accomplished. We have treated God like dung. What did Paul say? I've counted all things as dung that I may gain Christ. Boo, boo, doo, doo, however you want to say it. We have treated God like dung. And we have treated dung like God. What do you mean by that, Marcus? We idolize everything over God. We idolize social media. We idolize people's opinions. We idolize how we look, how we dress, how other people look. We Oh, my gosh. We idolize our stuff like our stuff can save us. We idolize our stuff like our stuff can deliver us. When I read the Bible, oh my goodness. When I read the Bible, my Bible does not say that my four, that my, my, that my uh, flat screen TV saved my life. Some of y'all need to stop worshiping your TV like it took the cat and nine tails. Oh my goodness. Some of y'all need to stop worshiping Netflix. Come on, like it turned water into wine. Some of y'all need to stop uh, idolizing your phones like it hung up on a cross for six hours. Some of y'all need to stop worshiping in your kids and your schedules and everything else that we worship as if it rose from the grave for you your stuff can't save you so stop putting it above the one who can stop putting it above the one you can isaiah 29 13 says this the lord says these people draw near to me with their mouths but their hearts are far from me they draw near to me with their mouth they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me their worship of ooh, watch this their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught this verse Isaiah 29 13 that joint will punch you in the chest and, and knock the wind out of you they 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 honor me with their lips they come near to me with their mouths but their hearts are far from me just that some some of us are saying all the right words some of us are drawn near with our lips we know how to sing the worship song better than the worship leader does 
Some of y'all been on the bench on the worship team and you mad at the worship leader because you can sing better than her. But maybe it's not that she sings better. Maybe it's because she actually worships God. Maybe she ain't got the best voice, but she knows how to touch heaven because she actually loves him. Whereas you love the stage and the mic more than you love the Savior and the Lord. A lot of people, if we're not careful, we will live our lives to impress men. And I have learned this in my personal walk with God. I have learned the things that I do to impress men depresses God. The things that I do to impress men will always depress God because the Lord says in Colossians, everything you do, do it as if unto the Lord. So if I am doing things for other people's applause and thoughts and likes and subscribes, I'm doing it for them and I'm not doing it for him. And guess what? I'm not building the idol for nobody. I'm not setting up a high place for nobody. I refuse to put up a pillar in the altar for anything other than the Lord. I say, Lord, here is my life and everything else can kick rocks. Come on, somebody. Everything else can bite the dust. I don't care. I love people. There's things that I love, but nothing takes the place of the Lord in my, in my life loving me. Come on, somebody. And we got to get over this man-made theology that as long as you do what you're supposed to do, God is okay with that. No, he's not. God will accept le nothing less than everything. God will accept nothing less than everything. God doesn't want half your heart. Come on. Can I tell somebody? God doesn't do 50-50 relationships. You ever hear somebody say, well, it takes two for a relationship and one person gives half and the other person gives half? No. God gave you everything and in return, he expects everything. He gave everything out of his love for you. And he says, out of response, I expect you to give me everything out of your love. Why? Because the love of God looks like giving everything away. It looks like saying I've got all these other things. I've got all these other projects to do. Don't tell me you're too busy to love God and spend time with them. God is more busy than you are. Come on. God is more busy than you are. God's got more companies to run. God's got more people to keep alive. God's got more planets to oversee than you do. You ain't got no planets to oversee. You ain't got no grass to make sure it grows. And you ain't got no stars to make sure it don't hit the planet Earth. Come on, somebody. But we've got to recognize, guys, it is about understanding that despite everything, you are still the apple of his eye and his desire. You are the reward of the suffering of Jesus. And in response to the love of God, it should turn your heart to love him with everything you have. This is why he says it's a commandment because he won't command you to do something. He hasn't given you the grace to do. This is what he did. This is just, this is what the Lord God said. He said, I want you. Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So he said, you have to do this. And then he makes it insanely easy to do it. That's like me saying, hey, you want this million dollars here? All you got to do is pick it up and carry it out. And you go in the room and it's a, a debit card. This ain't hard at all. We need to stop making the love of God so hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. There's a song, a worship song. It said, literally, I was made to love. I was made to love. This is what you were made for. You were made to love him, adore him, and to lift his name on high. If you don't know how to do that, 
Get a look at his face. Marcus, how do, in conclusion, Marcus, how do I love God? I will tell you how you can love God. You want to love God? You want to get to a place where you're loving him and you're loving and you're doing what you were before with the relationship you used to have with them. You have that again. Remember what he did for you. Remember how Jesus was arrested for you, whipped for you. Come on, somebody crucified for you, nailed to a tree, took the cat and nine tails, carried the cross, bleeding profusely, beat until he was unrecognizable. Come on. And then think about the God that sent him. When you understand what God thinks about you, it will turn your heart to respond with the same love back to him. If you want to fall in love with Jesus, encounter him. If you want to fall in love with God, encounter him. Behold him. Behold the beauty of his holiness. Get you an Isaiah 6 experience. Get you a Revelation 1 experience. Get you a woman at the well experience. I'm not saying it has to look any sort of way. I'm just saying meet with Jesus. Meet with God. Encounter him. And that's all you need. You don't have to find seven formulas to fall back in love with God. This is not some marriage counseling. You don't need marriage counseling to fall back in love with God. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You need an encounter with the Godhead. You want to know how to fall back in love? Go see him. Come on. It's that simple. And out of the love of God flows the love for all people. We're going to talk more about that in the next two episodes. Um... So stay tuned. I'm going to pray for you guys. But this is what I really believe, guys. I believe if we can get loving God down, everything else flows out of it naturally. Your gifts, your calling, your purpose, loving people. If you can love God, everything else flows out as a byproduct. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for every person watching. I thank you for every person that is listening. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will reveal your love for them and that in response, they will reveal their love for you. Lord, that the love of God will encapture people. And in turn, make the love of man flow back to the heart of God. Let our response to your love be our love for you again. Father, ignite our hearts. Set us back on fire. Give us passion, Lord. Help us to be wildly on fire because we're madly in love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Guys, we love you so much. Thank you for tuning in to episode 8 of the Heartburn Podcast. Where is the love for the Lord? Next episode, we'll be talking about where's the love for the brethren, and we'll see you there. Love you guys.